Hey, welcome back to the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. It's episode 161. This week I'm rejoined by regular co-host Alan Henderson, who suggested this book's read. Um, it's good to have you back, man. How are you doing? Guess who's back? Back again. Yeah, no, it seems like a, it's been a while. You o- and I have both October. been very busy people. Yeah. Very, very busy people. It's been people, stupidly like. busy. Um, obviously, how was, how, was Scottish, how was Scottish New Year? How was that? Oh, something like that. Scottish New Year's, you know, it was... Uh, the, the the good whiskey was taken down and dusted off and um it was uh, everyone had a good time from that sort of side of things do you do all that uh, like is it called first footing is that what they call it up there or you go to knock the, someone's door well no <laughs> it's one of the it, it's it's one of those things that uh you used to do for, for a while and it's all about yeah the first person through your door suggests the type of luck that you're going to have for the oh, year right and it's supposed to be if it's a, a tall dark um, handsome man, you're going to get good luck, and if it's um, if it's a blonde, you're not. Oh, which right. makes me always wonder, you know, you know, whatever happened to the Aryan race? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm quite yeah, welcome yeah. to a blonde turning up, but to be fair, it's never good news, <laughs> is it? It never turns out well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, no, not uh, not at uh, five minutes past midnight on uh, on New Year's Day. Yeah. Um, I just watch so Hoot no, Nanny and go to bed. Yeah. You know. Do you get any? Do you get any comics yeah. Christmas? Any what about books Christmas? Do you anything that? Um, did I get coming? No, did I buy myself a bunch of stuff off eBay? <laughs> you bought <laughs> a Perishers piece of art um, I saw today. Yes, I got a nice piece of Perishers piece of art, um, drawn by uh, Bill Miven, um, written by Morris Dodd from um, the late 90s, I think. Nice. So, yeah, for, so yeah, and it's a, it's a three panel comic strip, which is right up my alley, as you might imagine. Um, and then I bought a couple of trades that, um, I've been wanted for for a while. When when I say trades, I mean a book from the nineteen seventies. Oh, <laughs> that, you did! Oh, I saw that stunning. you'd done that. You finally yeah. gave in and got something, didn't you? Did you find it for a decent price? That Batman book. I, I did. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd, I'd still love to get the hardcover, but um, you can never see that for a decent price or a good quality. Ah, okay. So I I got a, a UK printing of it. That's not the usual UK printing. Okay. It's just one of these weird sub companies. You know what I mean? Um. To say, well, that's, it's there. It's got anyhow. So yeah, Batman from the nineteen thirties to the nineteen seventies. Oh, um, I know the one. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah published that in nineteen seventy-two yeah. or something like that. So it's a few-year-old big anyway. So. Oh, nice. Anyway, so that was just me buying myself books, and that's yeah. it's not because uh, woe is me. It's just that Mrs. H knows full well that um, she doesn't know where to begin. We've got everything or, already. Hal, let's face it. I've got everything yeah. that I would want. Yeah, it's, I always say that if I want it, I'm going to go out and buy it. And if I'm if I want it and I've not bought it, it's probably because I can't afford it, and therefore she can't either. So they just, just as yeah. well to to avoid to think. Yeah. But yourself, what was what was the well? Vince, how, how Vince, Dan, socks? and Tom always get me comics, but I got mostly socks. Um, and I got I asked for a bookshelf because I've got this like garden room now. Um, not calling it a shed. I'm not allowed to call it that. Apparently. But the um, I got I've got a couple of bookshelves for that, and I need a next one. So I've got like a re- comics research set of shelves now, mm. which uh, I'll send you a picture of later because I'm very excited by it. There's nothing more exciting than putting your books on a shelf. <laughs> it's weird, but you know. Um, well, you've been going through the the recataloging phase, something oh, that I intend to do in in about five years' time when I retire. Yeah, put the put the time aside and start reorganising things. As you I'm say, not... it's the finding the things that you've uh, you forgot you had. Big time, yeah. Somebody posted something on the Slack the other day about getting a, an issue of New Teen Titans, and I went, oh, that's in that George Perez portfolio. 
Which led me oh, to go yeah. digging in a cupboard to find the George Pellier's portfolio and go, whoa, look at this, and flick through the um, through that and thinking, I've not had this down out that back of that cupboard for <clears throat> a number of years. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so no, it's, it's there's all those. I always say there's, I've got, I know for a fact, I've got boxes in the loft where I've deliberately put interesting things in them <laughs> and then kind of close the box up and kind of going, right, that's, that's my time capsule to be opened at yeah. some point once i've forgotten what's inside it oh yeah and that's the pleasure isn't it that's the pleasure yeah. of having long box mountain and you know all this sort of thing is that yeah. you can and i've been doing that but i'll tell you what interesting because i've been trying to catalog a couple of boxes a day which is good going on a day off because i end up like looking at everything you know but i have to say being a dc guy you'd know this that um there's no set of comics that hold their price better i reckon than Ooh. batman and detective the stuff that I've been looking at on eBay, because I've, I've created like a couple of boxes for just comics that are worth, let's say, over 30 quid each. Yeah. Um, loads of Batman stuff is. I was surprised. You know. Um, always has a market, I suppose. It's, it's, yeah. and everybody wants the long run, so therefore they're always going to be filling the gaps. Eh? Yeah. There's some interesting stuff that's come up, though. Some like, um, like I, I reread the um, Elementals run the other day, because uh, I, I found that box. And immediately then went to Krypton Comics and filled in the two issues I thought that I had that I can't find, you know, and then found them two yeah. two hours later. It's just one of those sort of things. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, that, yeah. But, uh, well. I remember uh, tidying out, or we were clearing out um, the science fiction bookshop in Edinburgh when it moved. Oh, okay. Came from where, when it formally took the title for Bin Planet the first time. And the owner at that point in time emptied his locker space into the old shop so that they could we could resort all of the the comics um and all the back issues and it's quite disheartening eventually when you sort a whole you know several thousands or several tens of thousands of comics and you end up with a long box or, or you know that's all just the one issue right <laughs> yeah like, you know it's like it's bad enough when you go through your own comics and you find a duplicate it's when you open a box and you go, oh, it's the same issue. Over yeah, over, X Force over, over, One. Over. There you go. Hey. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Death of Superman. But, here we go again. It's a bit like that, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a regular at the, at the Mart for a while. There used to be a box that was half X Force One. Um, yeah. What a shame, eh? <laughs> anyway, on Sorry to the want it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, somewhere. Yes, tonight. Tonight. Mm. What have you chosen, dude? So. Green Arrow is facing one of his gravest crises of his career, his midlife crisis. <laughs> um, what I've um, put forward as the book to read is Mike Grell's Green Arrow, The Longbow Hunters. Fucking gold. Um, Love this book. Yeah. Originally published in 1987. Um Issue one of which actually came out the same month as issue one of The Shadow. Um, okay. The, the Zankovich cover and the, the yeah, yeah. Now I think one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this book is it's it's kind of a forgotten book that's really important for the history of comics. I think yeah, um, and it's one of the reasons I think it's forgotten is it sits between its publication time is is after Dark Knight, but before Killing Joke. Okay, and. Therefore, it sits in the era, and at the same time, Watchmen was coming out as well. So it very sits in that era of going, this is the dawn of what became the Dark Age of comics. 
yeah. you know, it's, it's the post Bronze Age period, and it, it's a book that fundamentally changed the tone of the ongoing series and titles of of DC as a whole, yeah. and therefore the, the marketplace at, at large. Now, I don't, th- you know, you could say, well, Dark Knight and Killing Joke also did that, but they were very much standalone. Yeah. You know, and 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 they were Batman, so they were you know they were Elseworlds before Elseworlds existed. Well, Longbow Hunters wasn't. This was suddenly this is kind of set in continuity. Yeah, in a weird continuity, isn't it? Which they I know we will talk mm. about later, but which is referred to um, Earth Grell by some people. Yes, um, right. because it has this big turning point for him, and and a very and 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 a face of reality a face full of reality doesn't it it, it, mm. it addresses mm. so many of the themes of the 80s at the time genuinely mate one of my favorite books easy in my top 10 um i'm a massive fan of this and like you said the thing is with it is it led into an ongoing we're not necessarily sure that initially it was meant to be but it certainly did no. do that and the themes of it lead into the ongoing as well themes and characters and situations lead into that and i think what maybe because I, I put it as the third book. I, I've, I've said this before. I've said Dark Knight Watchmen, Longbow Hunters. For me, growing up, you know, around that time, buying comics in comic shops, seeing the effect that it has on uh, on people and on the market and on customers and on sellers and on the shelf and stuff. I, I genuinely thought Longbow Hunters was one of the big ones, partly because it was an early prestige format as well, which we've talked about before, yeah. haven't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, on, and that's sorry. why I'm putting it in that sort of mix between. Dark Knight and Killing Joke as well in that mix yeah. of that they were going it was given this this credence. Yeah. Um normally here we would I would invite you to give a little summary of it but I mean you're more than welcome to if you want to but to me it's it, it's about the tone of the book. I mean things do happen in it which a number of which we're going to talk about which one one of being quite controversial. But mm. it was very much the the age of legitimizing a superhero and I'm going to put that in 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 you know finger quotes because there'll be an argument later as to whether he's a vigilante or a superhero. Um, but yeah, it's, an, that, it's, it's an interesting very much period. A depowered book. Yeah. So it's uh it's an interesting from that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean I think well, some of the actual storyline is essentially it's um uh hunting the the bad guy drug you know um drug a serial killer uh, as well yeah. and yeah. hunting a serial killer and at the same time meeting up with something mystic from from the east um and you know establishing a you know the the yin and yang character of you know of, of somebody the, who who's the mysterious baddie that is also an archer type thing yeah and that that is the in know, a very different way as well of it. yeah 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 an interesting um, way but i think it's 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 also a book that's different in terms of its well, see, it's not different in terms of what we had at the time, of uh, or back in the late eighties. This is a you know all the covers here are painted, all the the artwork is I think I've used the word collage in my notes here. Yeah, where there's certainly an element of that, isn't there? There's there are yeah. certainly bits of it where you go right. Those there's different panels that have been drawn in different ways. Some of which are quite clearly painted. Some of which are quite clearly the use of, of soft pastel pencils. And some of which has been done on coloured card that was yeah. then 
white pencil on on dark card rather than the other way around to get a different effect and for a lot of it even on the cover of it of, of issue one you can actually see the texture of the paper that's been used because of the way that mike grell's actually you know produced that you know in terms of the actual painting that's yeah. there and, it, it, and all of that creates a feel of going there's an organic nature and you know maybe it's just i'm overlaying the word green into meaning for the organic piece as well but it it feeds into the fact that this character was very much trying to be much more of an everyman than yeah. the Batman side of things as well. It's got going, the, yes, the, the art. The, you know, yeah, the art uh, has a romanticized. I mean, of the three books we mentioned, yeah. there is probably the the prettiest. I'm going to say, um, yeah, it's 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 the most painted. It's the most classical. Maybe I suppose is a way of saying it. You know, there's obvious influences of um, Adams and Co. We'll talk about Grell in a minute, mm. um, but let's 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 rewind a little bit and just say let's mm. let's focus a little bit on Green Arrow. What was your introduction to Green Arrow? Can you remember? I have absolutely no idea. Because <laughs> one of the things that amazed me actually reading after this is the fact that the Green Arrow series that comes out the back of this was the first time he had a series on his own, a title in his own right. An ongoing. He'd had a mini, hadn't he? Yeah. A, a, a four yeah. issue mini before this. But, but yeah, you know, yeah. Given you that. He's one of these characters you think, well, he's always been there since the 1940s, because he has. Um, and it is just Robin Hood meets Batman and yeah. merge the two together and you end up with, with a Green Arrow thing. And, you know, so to, for me, I it probably would have been something through a Justice League. Yeah, team. I'm the same, I guess. This is probably where I would have, would have come across, you know, him as a, as a, as a character. Yeah. Um, I'm, and, I'm drawn to the, the Archer characters, you, as you know. I think I was hmm. probably because I'm more of a Marvel guy. I probably um, favoured Hawkeye before Green Arrow, and yeah. that probably led me into liking the Green Arrow character. It was always a bit more comedic, you know. There's we'd had Hard Traveling Heroes, which was a deeper, more philosophical, socially realistic kind of take on it. Um, but yeah, so let's just quickly. So created by Mort Weisinger and George Papp, first appeared in November 1941. More fun comics 1973. Uh, more fun comics 73. Uh, Oliver Jonas Queen. Um, Weisinger, like you say, took influences from Batman, Robin Hood, and a movie serial called The Green Archer. I'm not sure if you've seen that, but it, which in itself was based on a novel by Edgar Wallace, um, which yeah. you can still find at, a, at around 20 quid if you want a want a hardback of it. He's had um, what I'm going to refer to as eras. We've had the Golden Age. We've, like you say, we've had the Silver Age. That includes the JLA stuff. Mm. Had obviously Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill um, stuff with Green Green uh, Green Lantern. We've had after this. We've had Kevin Smith's run on it. Um, yep. We've had Judd Winnick's run on it. We've had the Green Arrow and Black Canary. We've had Connor Hawke Rebirth. We've got a current series. We've had, um, I suppose, a, a reasonable landmark would be Andy Diggle and Jock's Green Arrow Year One. Yeah. Um, and, of course, coming out of all that, we've had the Arrow TV series, which I actually watched. I didn't mind it. Um, I, I watched most of it. Certainly yeah. when it initially came on, it was was, was good. Because it, it takes you know a lot of references directly from this and took an awful lot of references from from the year one storyline um, that, that jock drew yeah um and but and, and brought the two of those together but you know the the concept of him wearing a hood and all that sort of stuff comes straight out of longbow hunters yeah it does and because that's where that you know design came from i'm not sure that as much as i think year one's good i, I think it gets a bit more credit than it should because even the origin stuff 
it was done before then. The island yes. was done before then. Yeah. Yeah, which is where it leans where the T V series leans heavily on year one, mm. I think is mm. from that. Um so. Yeah, so that's good. So what about, what about Grell? Where was your introduction to him, do you think? So I think it probably was actually through the, the ongoing series. Okay. That would have been the first time that I would have would have recognised him there because I didn't read The Longbow Hunters when it first came out. I wasn't really into comics at that point. Right. Um, so Because it was early 90s. Or so, yeah, the early yeah. 90s that I would have um, picked this up in, right. as a... Possibly as a reprint of the of the series uh, or maybe the issues itself. Again, because it was so heavily promoted by people in the comic shop going, this yeah. is the thing you want to get. And by the way, if you like that miniseries, you'll like this and so on and so forth. Um, and it, it, at that point, it was very much a feeling of this is the... He, he was a bit of an anti-hero as well. Yeah. In, that's weird. It's not the right wording. What I remember is that in terms of where he stood in the 90s, he was the hero who believed in the people and wanted to do the right thing. And, you know, the fact he'd become mayor of the city and was, was trying to, you know, just get things better. He he was doing the, I've got the billion pounds and I'm actually going to spend it to make things better storyline. Uh, of course. That we always say yeah. about, um, about Bruce Wayne. Therefore, it was a weird sort of flip on that. So that's kind of when, when I would have first got into Grell. And the Grell was only writing that. And I think he was doing the, most of the covers for that yeah. series. Yeah. And I got the spin-off. Ed he did Hannigan. the spin-off series, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Ed because it, it, it was Ed Hannigan did a lot of the drawing. And his his Batman work from the from the detective stuff in the eighties and seventies is again it's a great set of unforgotten yeah. pieces. Um I did meet Mike Grell at I think it was a, the Boston Comic Con. Okay. Um, yeah. So like there there's there is a shadow head. Oh, is there? I was going to ask you. I meant to ask you before we started recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah good stuff. Yeah, yeah. He'd be brilliant uh, for that because he's got that whole oh, Hal Foster, Al Williamson how, vibe, isn't he? You know, he knows how to draw a hat. <laughs> he does. Um, he wears one most of the time. Yeah. He did, and he yeah. did when I saw. Um, so that, that, yeah, but I always got the the feeling that he was an indie creator done good. That's okay. You know, that's something. But that's because he had all that, as you say, the. Uh, I, I've got no affinity with Warlord. I know you do, and we'll probably talk about that. Yeah. But the for me, it was about seeing all the work that he'd done with first and going right. Yeah, he did Badger. Yeah. He did you know, and, and the work that he did with um, Sable, Sable, yeah, Sable stuff. Sorry, yeah, um, you know, and but the, the other stuff that he did with uh, uh, Mike Gold. Yeah, who's the editor? Yeah, uh, yeah, they, the editor they were friends, this. and and they, this led that led into Longbow Hunters, didn't it? Because mm. Gold was the one who brought well, him up. They, yeah, how they, how they came together. So you know, the, all of that. To me, was like he is that sort of creator that looks after the signs, and you get the impression that he was the he was the woke creator before we had such a thing, right? And that's and I don't mean that in certainly in any uh, sort of socially words. progressive. I think that's what exactly yeah. what I mean. And this is because I'm not I don't think woke's a bad word, um, but <laughs> it was that it was about saying look. <laughs> And it, it comes through with this series as well about that change of going. Yeah. If if you do things, they have consequences. Uh huh. Definitely. And and to me, that's what you know. What you could take from a lot of Mike Grell's work, where he goes, "I'm going to write about things or do art in such a way that it's a case of if if this happens, there are consequences as to what what, what we do with it." Yeah, which is a really interesting aspect to LBH. I've got to be honest with you the mm -hmm. the consequences of everything, and that and that's a thing that runs throughout the ongoing. I'm a massive fan of this ongoing. I read it. I reread it 
Um, I bought the omnibuses a couple of years ago and reread it over Christmas. Um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Mike Grell. So born the 13th September 1947. Uh, his dad was a lumberjack, believe it or not. Um, he rediscovered comics while serving in the US Air Force in Saigon in 1970. Um, he saw the work of Neil Adams and Dick Giordano. Um, was and a buddy of his encouraged him to be a cartoonist. Uh, he refers to Neil Adams um, in the Two Morrows interview, which is really great. We both read that um, as the strongest individual influence on my art. I think he, he really respects his the way he does, and you can see oh, some that school, can't you, in his art? You know, the um, yeah, the facial expressions are straight from that, and the the use of cross hatching for shadow on a face. Okay, again, I think is very. Is very much a sort of Neil Adams thing um, in terms of the feel of it. Yeah. Yeah, Dev. So a chance encounter at New York Comic Con back when it was uh, elsewhere than it is now um, with Irv Novick led to him um, replacing Dave Cockrum on Superboy and the Legion Superheroes. Um, I think he literally passed Dave Cockrum in the corridor and was given it, and it was some something of a sort of baptism of complications that led to that. That's not a book to start, <laughs> is it? When I had about 30 different characters at the time. I was going to say, yeah. 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 Previous to that, he had had some cartooning experience because he'd worked with Del Messick on the Brenda Starr newspaper strip, and he's he jokes that he he just she Dale would do the faces and he would have to do the bodies, so that was his whole job. So that was his experience. Um, he's worked extensively at DC, Batman Family, Aquaman, um, and even had an earlier go at a Green Arrow story in a backup written by Elliot Magin, uh, and then he took the Legion superheroes on um, and. It was written by Carrie Bates and for a short time as well, Jim Shooter, and then Warlord. Now, have, haven't you? Have you ever read it, or is it just not not your thing, man? Or I know we've never I talked have about read it before, one or two. Yeah. No, we've not. It's one of these things where I've read one or two issues. It's it's that classic one where it's not something like three hundred odd issues or something like that. Something mad, it, yeah. <laughs> and it's that whole where do you start? And yeah. I'm not really a big sword and sorcery person, and okay. a lot of the covers make you look, despite the fact I like like Cerebus, um, it's one of those ones where you're left going, oh, if I'm going to read this, I might as well just read Conan. Uh, yeah, I was a bit like that at me. the time. Yeah, I think it was the yeah. art that drew me in, I think. Yeah, so I've just, just never quite quite got there with it. Um, and then you're left going, if there's 300 issues of that, and I've got... 6,000 issues of, of other things I've not read. Why would I add another 300 <laughs> issues? I know, so... we're, I know we're lovers of the app. Actually, they're releasing mm. an issue a week at one point. They're re- re- releasing on the app. Uh, and it's worth looking at just for some of the page spreads and oh, you know splashes and stuff like that. There's some gorgeous stuff in there. He finds his feet quickly on that book. Yeah, it's classic 70s, early 80s DC comics. And as you say, they are in it. If anyone likes the, you know, the classical... Adams, Aparo, um, Giordano type yeah. artwork. It's, it's it's perfect for that. And, he, you know, and, but as I say, you know, the storyline is just something that's never just drawn me in, partially because of its size. And you're left going, I don't know where to start. Yeah, there was, um, they did yeah. one of those um, black and white bind ups, didn't they, a few years ago, which is, mm. I'd rather read it in colour. There's some great scenes in the snow. I'm a lover in the snow, but it's it's basically Pellucidorian is the phrase, is the, the adjective I've written because it, it happens on the inside of the earth. You see yeah. what I mean? So it's it's not historical. It's actually happening inside the Earth. He's a pilot, and he ends up crashing inside this 
place. Um, now, there's, there's obviously, there's the, obviously the, the joke about the fact that the yeah. you know, the face of Warlord looks exactly like the face that he ends up using on. on well, that um, that does happen the in the comics, doesn't it? Yeah, that yeah. does come to and and do we see a bit of that in the Justice League cartoon? I'm gonna say. Oh, there's a there Warlord episode of it, isn't there? I'd have to go and yeah, I can't. Remember. I it's been recall. a while. I think some of them are on Netflix. Oh, um, okay. And then after that, he went off to sorry to interrupt. He went off to first, well, Pacific first, which is where um, we got Star Slayer, which I'm going to say is where I first saw him. Um, no, that's probably not true. I first saw him on Warlord. I'm going to say um, maybe Legion, but where I really began to notice his art was on Star Slayer and uh, Pacific, which then moved to he was doing that with John Ostrander, and then moved to First Comics, where he started Sable, um, a TV, which was also a TV series. Um, which you can also see on YouTube. Um, I think there was it was like one of those TV series that's only like twelve episodes or something. Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not as good as the comic. Um, <laughs> and then he he stopped doing Sable, um, and I think there was a dispute where he wasn't getting paid by first. Um, he, he quotes a story. I, there's um, I was listening to a podcast. Let me quote the name of it to you called um warlord world warlord world's podcast and he talks about um being at a first comics event at san diego and there, there was a free bar and he was thinking that's my wages you haven't paid me being shelled out that free bar <laughs> um so we went off and did a couple of other things which i think includes the tarzan newspaper strip as well which god if anyone was ever suited for it he was um and then mike gold goes back to dc and gives him a call and says to him what, you know, what do you want to do? He says, I've always fancied Batman. Uh, I think he'd had a go at it and wasn't happy with what he'd done. Um, and I think Gold pitched him Green Arrow as an urban hunter, which I think really took his fancy grill because he's always been an archer. He's very much into experimenting with old-fashioned weapons. I think yeah. he does that. Um, he did a thing where he, he used to joust for an audience and stuff like that. He's quite the adventurous guy. Yeah, I always think I of think him as... Go on, mate, sorry. I, was gonna say, I think the Batman reference there as well is I, thought, I think he would, he'd been talking about doing Batman, but then he'd actually met Frank Miller and had read half of yes, Dark Knight. Of course he when, had. You know, before it was, or, or saw some of the original bits for of Dark Knight and just went, yeah, that's going to keep going for a while. As you know, So why, why try and fight, you know, yeah, fight your yeah. place in history with that? I think as well as he, he credits Green Arrow because it was the, um, the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams stuff that he saw. Um, that got him back. That really got him into reading comics. So he was really into doing it as a character, and he really, he really does grab it, you know, and oh, and, and it, runs with it. In it establishes, as you say, he then establishes his own mini universe yeah. within the DC universe and Earth Grell, I believe got, they called you know, it, or Earth the Grell Grell yeah. because people in that, you know, he, but then there's the fact, as I say, he depowers lots of people. You know, he depowers Black Canary in this. Or you, yeah, you, and there's a layer in the ongoing. We meet Green Lantern, and but he's just a dude in a suit. He's just Hal. You yeah. know, they, they, they go camping um, together. Um, and there's you know, so there's there's lots of that where you're just like going, yeah, this is that whole we're just placing this character in in the universe and just getting on with it, um, which is a really interesting take. Yeah, yeah, I think that we talk about this. Me and Vince and Dan talk about this whole sort of older heroes thing that i don't know why i just find it same as dark knight really and to a certain extent a lot of um watchmen at the time related to heroes later on in their lives returning back to 
finding what it is that they, is meaningful to them and why they're doing what they're doing. And, and that's a big part of this, I think. He's mm. an older man, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's supposed to be set in these early 40s or something in, in, in the Longbow. Yeah. Um, there's some, no, there's some... that, he's, he's, he's a man that spends an awful lot of time wearing no clothes going through the comics. Fucking hell, does he the... turn me off? Yeah, there's one point where he's sort of he's sort of mooning over the fact that Green uh, uh, Black Canary's gone off to do some investigating, and he's just standing in the window of his house naked. Mm. I'd have called the police if I'd have seen him doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you see that, but there's a reason you go out running first thing in the morning, and it's so you can <laughs> yeah. swing free as we. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, nobody wears pants. Anyway. Um, um, and there's there's also a massive philosophical. Um, uh, uh, what would you call it? Um, ethical, moral um, quandary going on in this. There's let's let's talk about this then, shall we? Because this is, yeah. I think I think I think this plays a big part into um, the tonal change of the character that leads into an ongoing that lasts another eighty issues. Is the, the realistic situation in this book is that the pair of them have have moved him and um him and Dinah have moved to Seattle so they're in an actual city as opposed to star city or metropolis or gotham so they they grill grounds them immediately yep he gives them almost a soap opera-esque, you know a, um tv style situation to live in they're living in a florist um they're very much an older couple who are still at it with each other constantly very much in love still they're discussing whether or not they should get married um, he's got complications. He's aching. He's still a, this. The, he still thinks he's a, a young man. He, he he's shying away a little bit from responsibilities and throwing his life into the investigation of a serial killer. But the big complication that comes in this book and is it's something that people get wrong when they talk about it. I think um, he himself, Grell, in um, one of the interviews we've read, I think, says he he basically got doorstepped by a younger creator. Um, and and who wrongly accused him of doing something in this book, and it it, it occurs in the first book, um, the first book of the three. Did you want to explain what it was, man? So, yeah. So as I say, the, it's it's one of these ones where there's um, a drug cartel that's going around there, and Diana says that she's going to go out and going undercover to yeah, chase yeah, yeah. do some undercover for that, and. The long the short of it is she gets caught and therefore is basically put um is is, is tortured um yeah. and is, is is treated badly shall we say and the the all of which i i do have a small issue with that is more to do with the fact that she's a very tr- highly skilled trained yeah. uh, hand-to-hand combat fighter but seems to be taking down an all awfully easily by um a set of guys so that fat like. that, <laughs> yeah. let's put that let's put that to one side for i mean you could i think you could, that that can be explained in the fact that we're now in a real world setting aren't we anyone yeah. can be walked up behind and bashed on their Something's head happened. yeah Something's yeah happened. yeah so so she's captured and she, she you know and the, the the challenge that was put to grell was the fact that the, you, you you end up seeing that she's hanging wearing the handcuffs from a from a hook essentially um fairly scantily clad by that point and the suggestion was that she'd had some form of sexual um assault see the the suggestion has i think come from elsewhere 
Mm. I think this. I think what you're. I think what you're saying there is because she's she's had her clothes ripped off. There's that suggestion she, that something more has happened. Yes. Um, Grill denies that, doesn't he? Well, vehemently he, denies it. Yeah. He says that you know that, that there's no. You know, <laughs> that's not what he portrays in the book. Yeah. There's. You know, there's what he portrays in the book is basically all you see is the outcome, is the ending position of Herb having gone through some sort of fight and then some form of of torture with these guys. Because there's also, you know, the guy's holding a knife and there's blood running down her and, and all this sort of stuff as well. So, so clearly, undoubtedly you know, torture. Water, you know, so definitely torture. Definitely been yeah. beaten up and has had, you know, you know. But the rest is all up to you in your head. In terms of what you think happened, yeah, right. And obviously, Grell's defense is not the right word for this. But you know, his, his view is well. It's up to you to make you know to take your view with regard to what happened, but also bad things happen to people that don't necessarily you know and can be yeah. horrendously you know mental torture. It can be you know as bad, yeah, and therefore. Don't assume that you know anything that she does after that in terms of how her character changes and stuff is just because of yeah. you know, it's been. I think I think sexual assault. I think for it, me, it, you know, I think for me this is a, there's a, there's a so much at play here. It's it's so, I mean I'm, I remember when I first read this because let let's let do you want to explain what actually happens in the comic and we can sort of dive back into what happens later and stuff like that and and obviously the wider implications of can this be shown in the comic I suppose Al. Yeah. Yeah. So the well, as I say, so you've got her captured, and um, Ollie ends up looking through the window and sees that that you know that she's in a position like this, and he rushes through the window um, to to essentially rescue her, and basically fires an arrow and um, kills the guy straight That's... through the heart as the song goes. At yeah. What that uh, that is such a show-stopping page or double-page spread for me. Mm. I just, I think it shocked me because, and a good story can shock you and often should. It shocked me because this was Green Arrow. This was the man who used to fire um, boxing glove arrows, net yeah. arrows and stuff like that. This this is the guy, He's we've built up the moment about how much they love each other, how much he dotes on her, um, how long they've been together even, and in him... Is the is this killer because of that moment, and he kills him? Um, yeah. What what a moment! I I, I don't love it because it's a difficult thing to love, but I remember thinking, "Wow." Says it's, so much in that one one page, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, it's it's quite a it's not a wordy heavy read of a book at all by any stretch of imagination. Yeah. But, you know, it's there's all as you say, it's so proper. There's a lot of dialogue and a lot of chat and and yeah. Backwards and forwards, particularly between you know various characters, but this whole scene, essentially from when once he finds her, is silent. Yeah, there's no word balloons at all, and it's it's like the arrow flies, and bang, you know, you, hands back. We've got two page spread of, you know, yes, she's tied up and as I say, wearing very little by that point, but the arrow's right through the guy's, you know, heart. And yeah. he's just going to go down and fall, bang. At which point, you know, the, he goes in to rescue her and there's a continuing fight with one of the other 
yeah. or the bad guys that's there, which leads very, to a really and interesting very twist. Yeah, importantly, I think this is hugely important. The is uh, Shadow turns up, the female archer from, from Japan, mm. and she kills someone else. And in that moment, there's this massive plays of iconography in this where the two arrowheads are compared and they're both mm. hunting arrows. They're both killing arrows. And they're both that you almost see each archer as a significant arrowhead. You recognize the style of the arrowhead, you know, and um, she turns up and unflinchingly, she does the same. Well, and... actually, if I think there's, think there's more to it than that. Right. OK, because I think the, there's a point where he's he's killed the first guy. He's got the second guy completely incapacitated, and he takes the knife to basically cut Diana down, which is what he's doing. And he turns and looks at the dead body that he knows that he is, you know, that was him. He's killed something. Yeah. And he, he's too focused on that that he doesn't realise that the third guy's coming through. And it's almost the that's where he's now going. Shit, things have changed. Yeah, such you know? a turning point, man. And so well done. It needs yeah. Shadow to to be there to go, in a weird way, going, yeah. I kill people. That's what I do. You didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, and she makes a comment and you know, there's a, a line early on in the book where she goes, you know, I looked into your eyes yeah. and there was no kill, you know, there's no color around your eyes. And then later on in the book, she goes, I previously looked into your eyes and there was no color, but you've changed yeah. and your eyes have changed. That's what I love so I much think, about it, man. Yeah. You know, I think there's an important thing to you. There is that point where he, he stops and looks at the dead body. And that's why shadow has to kill the third one because he, you know, and he's left holding down his, in his arms and Shadow walks away. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the end of it. And there ain't, there ain't a man listening to this. Well, there may be, but there ain't a man I know listening to this that if they had a bow and arrow in their hands, wouldn't do the same. If it was your missus. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's, oh. Yeah. Now, there's a couple of things that come out of this, which I found really interesting. So there's a lot of interviews. So Grell speaks about how this younger creator basically doorstepped him at a convention and, and, and accuses him of, you know, raping, raping Black Clary. And he said, it, that doesn't happen. And I think the problem is that people don't read comics. They just believe bullshit. And no one, the people who accuse him of this haven't read it because there's another other implications that happen. So further on, the, the, like you say, man, the good thing about this is we feel the implications. It's not like old school DC and Marvel where we just move on to the next issue and it'll be they'll be fighting a robot or something you know this this the, the pain the PTSD the, the agony the anxiety everything the bad dreams follow these guys through the I mean the second book opens with a bad dream with Ollie dreaming of a, a dragon in in a warehouse and mm. the but so Dinah starts seeing a counsellor and she says to the counsellor people say things like at least you weren't raped as if that's the worst thing that can happen. She is totally saying in that second that she was not raped. But of course, mm. the internet doesn't fucking read comics, so they don't notice that that happens. You know. And then the other thing I thought was mention worth mentioning: if you go if you go into the ongoing, which follows on from this, and go to issue thirty-two, Grell cunningly reverses the situation, so Dinah has to save him. Mm. I think with a gun, as I recall. Um, it's on the cover actually of issue thirty-two, where, with, where she's saving him from torture. So Gr Grell is doing something really interesting here. He's he's using a love between a man and a woman to cause this situation, it, or that builds this situation up 
where it does change Ollie, and Ollie is forever changed for the, this run of comics. I know things change in comics, but the, the thing I wanted to mention to, to ask you is is that almost that like that, that wider question is if it was rape, or let's just let, no, let's ignore that. Let's say if it, if it is torture, why can't we show it in comics? Is there a reason we can't? Do you think? Is it because he's a superhero and he was like, you know, joke cracking Green Arrow beforehand? Do you think that's why people got upset? I think, well, sorry, I think that lots of things done with that. I think, I don't think there is a need to show the torture. I think what he's done here is, yeah. as I say, it's just that really here's, here's the, here, well, it's just that here's the outcome, hmm. you know, it's, this is the burnt match type thing, you know, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to see the flame. If I see you show me a burnt match, I know that there was a flame. So I don't need to know how hot it was. I don't, you know, I know that, that it went through that that process to get there. And therefore, I was going to say it doesn't matter if she was raped. That that is not what I. I it's not what you mean. No, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't take that snippet on. Do that <laughs> the um, what what I mean is that it you know the fact that that she was caught beaten you know strung up tortured went through whatever she went through that's all bad yeah these well, people this, are people know, we never saw lose before did we yeah there they is may no lose for five of, minutes but they always come back well, and win and and this is a massive she's mm, lost some she's almost lost her life there yeah you know i it, it's it you know it's as you know there is there's a there, there's no scale on this this literally is Things happened to her that should not have happened to her. That is it, right? And that's that's what matters most in this. Yeah, um, I get you. yeah, I see it's, you and and therefore it is a case of you know the the mental anguish that she's going through and the the pain and the, the trauma and whatever, all of which is bad. You know, it doesn't. It is that whole. That's it. It doesn't. You know, it, the the actual specifics of the torture, or whatever she went through you know, don't really matter. The people should go down as a result from a, yeah. you know, justice and must be served type, type thing. Yeah, I think Grail says... Served by being shot through the heart, but that's yeah. another Grail says in... Um, there's a great interview with a, a website called dcinthe80s.com and um, Grail says the son of a bitch deserved to die. For whatever he did, yeah. That's, and that's... It's not harsh, it's true. Plus, yeah. yeah. And that, that's where I think there's... No, that's not to belittle the fact that... As I say, I think there's, to me, the bigger issue is the fact that this is supposed to be a strong female character that you've then entirely weakened. But as you say, the flip in that comes in the main story, in the other storylines where you flip him as being the, the, the weak character. Yeah, and, and, now, and the, the thing is, he's his, they both they both face this sort of... Um, trauma as a result. Yeah, they yeah. do. And I think she becomes the stronger character for me. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's um, so much going on with her, almost as much as there is going on with him, and he's the title character for a lot of this. Now, here's my challenge back to you. are saying, should we see this in comics? Yeah. Is this... This was shocking in 1987, or shocking in the early 90s when I read it. Yeah. Would it be shocking now? That's interesting. I, in that, I, think, the, I think for all different reasons. I think... Oh, I don't I, think we'd see it in the big two. That's right? the thing. So, I agree, right? man. That's so what I'd I was thinking. That, but if you saw an image book no. or a dark horse book 
that had essentially this this storyline, but with here's a a character who happens to dress in whatever color and use whatever manual weapon. No, I'm not entirely sure that would be as shocking now as it is. Yeah, or was then, and that's why I think when you talk about this was a tonal shift. This was a tonal shift in terms of DC Comics as a whole about saying this because this is there's no vertical i'm not sure i'm looking at the actual i've got the actual issues in front of me right there's nothing on here that says for mature readers oh wow interesting okay it's not not comic code approved i'll give you that but because there's um, quite a lot of nudity ish there's quite a lot of boning in it ish you know there's 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 quite a lot that goes on in it um that you would these days i i think you're right man i think don't think the big two would um i don't think dc certainly wouldn't do it I think they'd be too worried about the cartoon, the possible cartoon rights and stuff like that. I think there would also be um, the ultimate misogyny allegations in relation to it, which is the, the opposite of what it's doing, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, DC are suffering as well from the um, girlfriend in a fridge. <laughs> yes, story, they still are. Which yeah. Is the, yeah, they're but, still suffering um, from that. But it's I, I it's a weird twist for me about going, I'm... I think this book is very you know, it's beautiful to look at, all sorts of stuff. But I think it's hugely important from a history of comics perspective. Yeah, but me too. as a reading it here and now today perspective, if you're a brand new reader, I'm not entirely sure it quite carries the same weight okay. as it does for those of us that have that historical connection to it. Interesting. Um, and it, 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 I think people find the same with Watchmen and Dark Knight. That it's yeah, and it's it's partially because you're left going, oh, he puts a hood on, whatever. I've seen Green Arrow. <laughs> you know, everyone's like going, yeah. well, yeah, yeah but, that's true. And it's and it's a lovely twist the way they actually do that. But you know, how because there's always this interesting thing about how do you change a superhero's costume? But to go, we've moved to Seattle. It's a bit colder. You'll need something <laughs> yeah. a bit more. Or I mean, it, it rains a lot. That's a literally hood. what happened. I think. Because yeah. he moved to Seattle, that's why it's there. Because Mike moved to Seattle, and yeah. um, and he says, and he'd worn um, what stuff the superhero costumes are always made out of. Um, he'd worn it in one of his live acts, yeah. yeah, whatever. And he said, no, he says when it's raining, it's cold. You know, you need just need to have trousers. So yeah. even if you look at him, he's wearing trousers. They're just green trousers, mm. Um, mm. and this hood because it rains a lot in Seattle. To be fair, God bless Gold and Silver Age DC, and I love it. Almost as much as you do, <laughs> but that hat would never made any sense to me, my friend. Yeah, you know. no, <laughs> no, but it also always never made sense to me either that Green Arrow could potentially have some sort of secret identity when you're like going, How many people are walking around with that goatee? Come on, no, um, yeah. and I refer to myself as somebody that used to have a <laughs> mustache and beard that made me quite, you know, yeah, like a lot you. of identification. Um, We've experienced it so, now because we all wear we all wore masks during COVID, <laughs> and everyone could still recognise everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Made no sense. But so I think look, the scene is is quite shocking in in terms of what's there in the book. I don't think I think media as a whole has moved on, and therefore, right or wrongly, it's not as shocking a scene as as it perhaps would have been. Yeah, I think it would now get called out for other reasons. Yeah. Why um, people who didn't understand it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that whole thing about the young creator calling out—I still think that was that wasn't recent. I that was no, I don't think it was. That, yeah. Because you both and I, you and I, refer to it from this tomorrow's book, and that in itself is a collection of 
Yeah, so it was a while ago, I think, that one. Yeah, it's a great book. I'm going to give a little list of um, some of the the research material we've used at the end of this because this is another one where me and Alan have gone a bit mad and read everything in the world. Uh, I saw that you'd said something about Tomorrow's. You did some Green Mm. Arrow art, didn't you? Um, you, yeah. you, you you painted him with look lovely man look yeah. great and oh, uh, you said oh, I've been reading this too much right I've got to get that where's that I've got it here somewhere so I made sure I read it so I was uh, <laughs> keeping up with you but yeah I think one of the other things we should talk about here is you know we've talked a little bit about um, what happened to Black Canary and, and the implications for her but there is a, a very another very strong female character in this called Shadow who yeah. um, <laughs> the thing is for a while here Green Arrow couldn't win a fucking fight with a hamster he loses to her doesn't he at one point um, yeah. and then he sort of recovers he, he almost like relearns his life as an archer um, and she has this so whilst he's got the, the discipline of an archer of a Hollywood trick sh- shooter and he's a big fan of the Errol Flynn movie as I was as a kid and you know he, that's, what, that's where he lives in archery and then this eastern archer turns up um and i remember seeing i don't if you ever saw this the richard chamberlain series um shogun did you ever see that yeah oh yes in the first episode of that the, he's arguing with this japanese dude he's at a dinner party and the, he's saying my my gun my 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 flintlock gun is far superior to your bow and he says well shoot the post outside or something and he says well, i can't see the post outside and he pull he fires off three three arrows from his um, Japanese longbow and hits this post outside because he mm. knew, he knows where it is and 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 you get that sense of I think Grell describes it really well. He says there's the difference between American or uh, the, uh, Western and Japanese archery is um, in Western archery you pull the bow with your arm and in Japanese archery you pull the bow with your spirit, which I think is a really interesting way of putting it. And she she brings that Zen art of archery. Um, this is a great book, by the way, if you can find it. Um, that I was a bit of an archer as a, as a teenager and in my 20s and experimented with longbows, and it was a really, really inspiring method of archery to read about, you know? And um, she's very enigmatic, but she, you sense that of everyone in the book, she's the one who gets Ollie, in a way. Yes. As I say, I, I used the term yin and yang earlier, and that's because there is a bit of a classic cliche here in that she's everything he's not to me yeah. you know as in he's he's the older man she's the young young girl um he's as you say he's he's, he's losing his abilities and and she's gaining all of hers in terms of you know being the the, the top of her game and all this sort of stuff she has or she, she, she appears to to act without passion yeah where he's all about passion um and it is that it's, it's the that, that coming together again because they recognize that you know they have the same skill and then the the murder scene yeah. um or the killing scene where she's suddenly going i have the respect for you you know you're doing yeah. the right thing by that and we're you know yes oh i will i'm here to kill for revenge you've now killed for revenge i'm now here to you know and i will now be that person i'll stay on that track and that's why i think there's this interesting dichotomy between the two of them um and the fact that he'll then not follow it through in book three about you know when he he hunts her down on the mountain yeah and, there's a know, great which moment leads to some beautiful pieces oh of my outfit. god it's so amazingly beautiful there's um there's a scene on the mountain where that they're there that she appears near him and they're mm. they're about to shoot at something 
and it looks like he's shooting he turns towards her and he looks like he's shooting at her but what he's actually doing is shoot, shooting beyond her um mm. so eddie fires who's this character's recurring character i think he still appears he's been in arrow as well i think um yeah. he's beyond her and and he shoots fires um and it's such a great scene the choreography on it the the sense of place i think it's very important when you, you you're dealing with a comic where you're shooting lumps of wood across a room to to know in your mind as the reader where everyone is standing and what everyone is doing and he pulls that off so well doesn't he throughout all these scenes we've talked about you know where everyone is don't you yeah beautifully done oh yeah um go on, yeah. three I was going to say, the interesting twist at the end as well is that while you've got all this thing happening about, oh, it's a drug bust and all this sort of stuff, it turns out that it's government-backed. Yeah. And essentially, it's the Iran-Contra storyline, which is very interesting because he actually wrote this before the Iran-Contra storyline. Didn't he get broke. asked on a radio show? Have yes. you heard this? Yeah. So it's, yes, it's, yes. It's contacted by a radio show. And could you come in and talk about, you know, the, your 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 um your comic? And he goes, oh, brilliant. So he rushes home, gets, you know, gets on the phone or whatever it is, goes in the studio or it is. And all they want to ask him about is how he predicted Iran-Contra before it happened. He's like, oh, well, this, this is luck. Well, he's basically, was, I was involved in, well, no, he said I was involved in that sort of thing. And I just put all the bits together and I went, well, that's got to be happening somewhere in the background. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he does have a military background. Yeah, and it's, yeah, so it's just amusing from that side. But that, and again, which means that, you know, the ending of the of the book is essentially him getting, you know, going up against the CIA and saying, right, okay, well, take these people down, but I'll end up taking the money from the... <laughs> yeah, I um, like that. I like that he takes money because right. it takes you straight back to some of the first pages of the book where he is looking at a Robin Hood picture. Painting. Yes. So he's stealing off the rich to give to the poor, and that's how it ends, isn't it? He's got that bag of money. He said, "Oh fuck you! I'm going to take this." It's almost like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and and it, it's what sets up the ongoing series in some ways because, yeah. as I say, it, it's that old thing about how can you, you know, how does he afford those amazing toys? Hmm. <laughs> it's a case of this is how. Yeah, I need to have the CIA. The, that, yeah. That's the seed money that he got to begin with to to kick it off and get going with. Um, I mean, the, the the ongoing leads into so many great things. I mean, we get a we get a walkabout in America. We get the Eddie Fires character who comes back who is, I think, one of my favourite characters in DC because he's sort of this... He's visually based on Archie Goodwin, um, which I didn't realise till yesterday when I texted you. Like, suddenly, no, you know, I, that lightning bolt. When you said it, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. because everybody... Lo- as I, I said to you, Bags, that everybody loves Archie. Yeah, exactly. Um, they do, don't they? Yeah. And we get the, the, the Connor Hawks. the most referenced editor in uh, in terms of visual representations. In, in, and certainly yeah. in this one, in this, this podcast, we've mentioned him more than others. Um, the, the good thing about Eddie is, as well, is he's, 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 he's just, he's a killer. You know, he's absolutely lethal, but he looks like somebody you wouldn't, you know, you, you wouldn't look at in the street. You know, he's not a big guy or anything like that, but he's got the absolute hots for Black Canary, isn't he? And he's always mm. trying to wrestle her. <laughs> That's <laughs> a couple of incidents where she goes, he says, I can't beat her. She's amazing. I can't beat her. Like that. And it's just like, well, go one more round. And he's like that with her. It's just it's just weird. But he, he appears, he takes a big role later on when Connor Hawke takes over on the ongoing, um, which is it just carries on brilliantly. I really love it. Um, it's really good. So what I thought we could do is maybe just pick a couple of moments out from the, the series, 
the three issues out. If there's any, anything that sort of sticks out to you, I might start if that's right. Yeah, on you go. Mm-hmm. I love, um, typical of me really, but I love the relationship between the two. And he's rabbiting on in the first issue about something and she sort of disappears off. And he, he does that sort of fake, shoots himself in the head and falls down as if, why am I even telling her she's not even listening? And then she appears wearing the blonde wig down the stairs. And it's all around this. He's he's asked her to have kids. Um, Mm. And, you know, I think I think get married from memory. And she doesn't want to. And she uses the phrase, um, I won't make orphans. Which I think is which is a real moment. But they also make love as well. And I think that. They're a, they're such a real feeling couple in this, which I've never felt at other times about them. I think this cements their relationship so well that it it goes all the way through to the the um, Green Arrow Black Canary wedding special. You know, decades later, mm. they are cemented in DC law now as a couple because of the Longbow Hunters. To me, I don't know if you think the same. Yeah, um, yes, as um. It, it's the piece that makes them, <coughs> as you say, the the grouping that, are, that there is no separating them from that. You know, it's the are they DC uh, Summers and Grey? I don't know. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah, could be. Maybe there's a bit of that. Um, yeah. Hmm. What about in, you? In terms man? of my first bit, and it's going to unusual for me. I'm actually going to say the covers. Okay. Right? Yeah, they're thematically lovely, aren't they? They don't really talk about them an awful lot. Um, all three are wraparound covers in in terms of the actual um, three uh, prestige yeah. formats that, that came out. Um, and that the first cover itself, I think it's very iconic. Everyone would know, anyone that's ever been into a comic shop will have seen that cover, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's, you know, it, and rightly so. And it it's it it just shows that transition from the Errol Flynn hat to the right here I am the urban hunter. Yeah. Um, but the whole wraparound piece to the back, which has got the mix, then. yeah, of here's the Seattle skyline, but Mount Fuji in the background as well. I think it's meant to be, yeah, piece. I think so. And um, the, you know, and the fact that there's the dagger there, which you know for the the. The serial killer that's that's in issue one yeah all of which you know i think that just sets the tone of what you're going to get into with the books and the fact that the you know issue two is a red cover to, to patch, you know punch back and say here we are with you know with the dragon hunt and the fact that shadow's going to take things Japanese, in a completely different yeah. direction um and then the third cover is essentially the, the painted mountain scene oh so good. um well again you know, it's got the wolves in it because it's calling out the hunting piece and, and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And I just think it's 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 important to make sure that they get referenced and get their own own commentary. There, um, so there, there's, there's my I first mean, bit. This is this is one of the things I like about um, Grell is there's we were talking about McGuinness just before we started, weren't we? The sort of paperback mm. artist, you know, the Storenko yeah. stuff and uh, Frazetta stuff and stuff. He he, he looks. On occasion, especially these sort of things, as someone who would have appeared as a pulp, pulp book cover artist. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose the other thing as well is you can see his art being quite influenced by the European style. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, any of these could have been Bond Destiny. You know, Bond Destiny. Oh, in terms no, of I love an oversized of these. Yeah. That that sort of look about it as well, because it has it's that 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 classical seventies eighties US comic feel about it. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, agree, man. Yeah, no, I to totally agree with that one as well. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on it. There's I know we talked about this before. Is is the use? He plays with timing in this, I think, or pacing. I suppose we should put it as mm -hmm. better. So we get he's great with like, for example, when Green Arrow's in the police department talking to the cop about the serial killer, or there's prostitutes on the street and they everyone's dealing crack because this was the time of the you know the massive crack outbreak in New York and LA and stuff. And he's he's great with that. But what he does is he puts little pauses in to the reading by using these. Um, like two color images and often they're like you say on on darker paper um mm. with with white pen or something like that i'm not sure exactly how you do it you're the artist yeah. but the um but they're often of people's faces um and eyes occasionally you get the eye thing don't you across two pages of so him and shadow looking at each other yeah there's a really good example on pages 26 to 27 of book three where they're halfway up the mountain type thing. Yeah. And the first panel is the two arrowheads pointing at each other, but the two pages. That. Yeah. It's you know, there's in the middle of the page on page, on page twenty six, it's her eyes. And then on the other page, yeah. staring back at her, it's his eyes in the you know, with the green um domino uh, effect of the, the, the mask. And it's um it, that that whole backwards and forwards between those pages you know and you you feel the tension in the string yeah in the bow um because it's the whole you know the, the, arguably it could just be two talking heads but the way that he, he paces that out of going here here's what the look is and here's you know we're going to stare at each other while i love while that so much and, and to me anyone who's ever, who's ever been in a you know boxing match or a fight or anything that's the eyes are so important in a fight you know, we don't see it enough. The meeting of eyes as you're fighting someone is incredible. And, and you know, it's, it's the old samurai story of two men look at each other across a bridge and they realise they'll never win and they walk away, you know. And uh, it's it's um, it's done so well like that. But it, 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 there's a poetry to his work, I think. There really is. Mm. There's, a, there's, a, there's a fluidity and a beauty. And, yeah, it's... It, bear in mind, this came out, you know, very similar to Dark Knight and Watchmen and sort of contemporary books. It, it's... It's almost slightly more classical in its styling, I think, but um, but no less well done. But just so different to them, I think. Yeah, and maybe that's what I mean by European. Yeah, that that's true. If this had been serialized yeah. in um, Metal Horlon or whatever, you'd have gone or Heavy Metal, you'd have gone. Yeah, fine. Again, we'd have just fitted there. Yeah. In in terms of that that sort of style. Yeah. Any any is there another one you wanted to mention, dude? Or? Uh, look, this. There's loads of those sort of images, and I think yeah. there's there's a really the, the page nineteen of book two. There you go, the one where okay. he's lying in the bed on his own, and it's just <laughs> that whole the way he blows the candle out in us. You know, with the, it's it's the use of negative space that he that he uses quite a lot as well of only drawing half a face, but you see you you know you know where everything else is, and yeah. using the background to to be dark to call forward his his phone, which helps the fact that it's a blonde character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the empty bed, um, or him in the bed in his own, I should say. Yeah. Um, 
it creates a a pause. You know, you get the feeling from that one image of him just going, "All right, where are we?" Despite the fact he's, you, you know, he's naked underneath that sheet because he yeah, naked all the other pieces. He seems to be naked a lot. The sto- the storytelling ability of of uh, Grey isn't talked about enough because other comics would just have him go looking for his girlfriend, but yeah. this gives an emotional. Uh, motivation for him pages later to get out on the street and try and find it which I find really interesting and I, think, I think that's one of the things obviously that from an editorial perspective giving him the space to breathe in a 48 page um, book rather than the 22 yeah. page book helps there as well because it had that thing of going right I'm going to going to feel lonely and then I'm going to start being out in the streets and actually he only comes across her by accident um, while he's doing something else, um, yeah. But you know, he's like going, "Yeah, she can have her space. She's allowed to go and do the undercover work." He's not against that at all. Yeah. Uh, and he just happens to bump into her while doing a different investigation, and then goes, "All right, I know where she is," uh, which then leads him to to go find her later on. And yeah, you know, yeah, so good man. Situation is is he is he a creator that you followed to image when he did um, stuff like Maggie the Cat and uh, Shaman's Tears and stuff like that at all? Or? I did not, but right. again, again, that's just you know volume of active of things you can can read at any point in time. Yeah, I know that. I'm, I know I'm not speaking to the right person about that. The, um, <laughs> what about his Sable stuff? Did you read any of that? Or so I've read again bits and pieces of that. I'm not. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to go back and follow your example there and collect a lot of the first um, first runs. Uh, first comic runs. Yeah, such um, a company, man. Such a company. Yeah. In that, Sable's a, he, he, he poses as a kid's book creator um, who's also uh, another sort of hunter of men. There's like a one where he, there's a sort of um, die hard episode issue. There's a, there's a hunting in Africa issue. There's, there's, there's a couple of, um, a bit of, you know, finding big game hunt, you know, attacking big game hunters in Africa stuff that, um, is straight out of that Yellowstone prequel. I don't know if you watched that. Was it yes. called Nineteen Twenty Three or something yes, like that? Yes. Uh-huh. And it it's that almost like. panel for panel, like shot for shot from that. It's incredible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, very like that. I, I'd recommend the first Sable one definitely. The second Sable one is 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 done by someone else. I think mostly on yeah. the art. But the so, yeah, the first one's really good. Yeah. The other book of his that I would really recommend to people um, is Permission to Die. Which is the James Bond book? That oh, of course. He did yeah, with, yeah, yeah. I think Eclipse Comics. Okay. Um, which again is a three-issue mini done in prestige format. Um, it's it's very good. It's you know it, it's it, well it's Bond and all that sort of stuff. Again, it's yeah. been a long time since I've read that. I'm listening, but yeah, I do remember well it that, very it? very fondly. Yeah. Um, so no, that would be my other one to call it for that. Cool. I've met him a couple of times. Cool. Absolutely lovely absolutely yes. lived up to yes. the expectations of just being a gent friendly chatty um yeah really interesting he, he does run the odd kickstarter keep an eye out for them for stuff he's written a couple of sable novels which i think you can find um i got a bit of oa off him you've got a bit of oa off him haven't you as well i think yeah. oh you got a commission didn't you off him i've got yeah. A, yeah a sketch but yeah yeah cool so definitely yeah. try and find his stuff um i thought it might be useful before we just quickly chat to you about your projects is um some of the resources we use there's a great um comics journal interview you can find online panel borders um did a podcast about him the brighton based podcast uh tomorrow's have got some brilliant stuff on him mike grell life is drawing without an eraser is their book a collection of a lot of stuff moving target by sequart which is a lovely book that's all about green arrow and there's he obviously features heavily in it 
Dollabin Bandits is a podcast where they do an interesting um, interview with him, which is really interesting from the point of view of his origin story in comics. There's a Warlord Worlds podcast, which is about him uh, as an individual and his mostly his Warlord stuff. DC in the 80s is a great podcast, a great uh, website, pardon me. And you can also find his OA at catskillcomics.com. And you can actually request a commission from him on there. There's, there's sort of reasonably reasonable prices on there, actually. Pretty good. So go and do that. But, yeah, absolute joy. One of my favourites. I know we we often chat backwards and forwards, don't we, Al, about, oh, what about this mm. book? What about this book? And oh, we've, we've both sort of recommended books, going, I'm not feeling that, I'm not feeling this. Yeah. And then you went, what about Long and Bow Hunters? And it was like a light bulb went off. I went, fuck, yes, let's do that. And, uh, yeah. I knew it would tickle you, but I knew you'd be <laughs> on it, obviously. Yeah, to me... It's a very so. Who would I recommend this to? Anybody that understands the history of comics and yeah. you know it, it's a book for for that piece. Also, if, if you're into all archery, you've read, oh yes, yeah, if you're into archery, yeah. Um, if you are more into the slapstick side of the character, then perhaps not the one for it's not the yeah. the, the the book to go down, um, but. Um, also, know, it's not it, a team a very... book. So I think if you read no. if you read stuff like Batman or Superman or Green Arrow at the moment, everything or Flash, everything's a freaking team book at the moment. This is not a team book. This is about a man, mm. like soul searching is, is himself. Um, and for that, I, I think I enjoy it more. Um, I'm, I'm never keen when the the lone urban hunter it becomes the flipping team book. I've had enough of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I, I dug out my. I remember when I reread this last Christmas. Um, I dug out my old recurve bow from the garage and was and strung it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to love a bit of archery, and, and this is one of the reasons I used to do it. This book, yeah, very much so. Um, good stuff. Okay, right, cool. So, as I understand it, you're getting near to something. Is that right? Are you are you able to talk about yes. that? Yes. Yeah? So, yeah. ten pages away. No, oh, right, eight is that pages it? away. So, oh, nice. That's not even that. It's less than that. I think yeah. I think I only need to draw ten more comic strips or something like that. <laughs> Ten more comic strips, and then the fat penguin sings. It's all over. <laughs> We're finished. We're done. Oh right. It is the, okay. It is the. Are you end calling it the fat penguin sings? Yes. Oh nice. Well, no. So that well, there that <laughs> I will have a strip where a fat penguin will sing, um, and that will be the end <laughs> of the penguin. Um, but wow. at that point in time, I will have enough for what is the um, what will be for now. You know, never say never and all that. You know, yeah. Who knows? They can people come back. As, yeah. Uh, or like doctor, who knows? Yeah. Anybody can come back. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm going to say that this is it. Um, and the the book, the bell, um, will go out through Kickstarter um, late January. Oh, okay, quite soon. Um, yeah. So it will, you know, the bell will toll for um, for the pain to go in, and uh, and that will be that. Uh, yeah. All of which just gives me the chance to do that uh, pure old children's joke as well at the end of it and just say this is the bell end of the, of the penguin <laughs> good stuff but that's what we like we, we like Pure see what we get to with we're some fan, of that we're fans but, of the yeah. that's quite an achievement man have you worked out how many strips you'll have done is it so the, the different ways to think about it you can either turn around and say that's 12 years yeah um or it's just over two and a half thousand strips wow um depending on how you count it, it 2700 strips if you count it a different way but it, it that's enough you know there there are only you know people are going to challenge me why why end it and it's it's more i, I could argue that i'm bitter and twisted by the algorithm uh, <laughs> i could argue that it's the splintering of the um 
social, media, social media world. Yeah. It means that just reaching an audience is just about impossible. I actually even did a strip on that recently where it was the penguin walks through a door and shouts into the void, is there anybody <laughs> out there? And called it Internet Marketing 101. Um, and it's, but it, you know, I, I'm really honest. I just, I'm, I'm tired. And, you know, that's quite busy. an achievement, man, though. I think and, there's no one who could yeah. accuse you of half arsing that, my friend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just not convinced there's any clean dad jokes left either. You know, from now on, it would, it would <laughs> Maybe start to get closer peng- and closer the penguin to the after dark. PG After Dark is the is, is is often been talked about, and maybe that will be the return. You know, which, <laughs> what um, other animals so, would you do, like to do two thousand seven hundred strips? On? <laughs> well, see, I, it's one of these ones. Where I always joke that I came up with the name Penguin, and then started drawing penguins because I thought oh, I really liked the name. And I, th- I did come up with another name, but then I found it had actually already been used in something else because ah, I thought okay. you could do crocodiles was going to be the other one. Oh, has that been used? <laughs> is it? Yes, somebody's uh, done crocodiles. Or, or, yeah. But I would have thought, yeah, you, you could have loads of crocodile breaks as well, just for the hell of it. <laughs> Good, so, so no, we'd be um, looking around the end that. of January to back that. You're going end to... of January. I say mid-January, I'll, hope I'll start doing the whole thing about sign up now. Yeah. Um, end January, hopefully, launch it. Um, you know me, I want it all over and done with inside this tax year. Of course uh, you do. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, <laughs> you're a very canny man around that. And, well, just, yeah. Yeah, not really, but that's it's more just like there's what's the hassle? Because um, it tends to fund quite quickly your book, doesn't it? It's usually what it six sh- hours. Or at, something. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, who am I paying? I'm not paying me. I'm just paying the. I just need to get the print, the print run yeah. covered. And the advantage of using Kickstarter is you get to reach the world at large, you know. And I can say that I'm big in Finland and, and things like that as, <laughs> as a result. Um, yeah, which is always, always good for that. So. You know, it, it's it's keeping it simple and keep it out running. And then I'll do the farewell tour around whatever, whoever will have me. And um, I say it's all over. I've got a garage full of books I'll need to sell, so I'll still be um, yeah. to go to You'll still be making comics. It just won't be Penguin's one, I'm guessing. And that's, yeah. uh, well, that's my plan. And yeah. I, I don't know what, you know, people say, what next? And my, the advantages, I'm currently saying, I don't know. Yeah. So, which is a good thing. That's fun. Thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think you, you you don't seem to be the sort of person who feels any pressure, but occasionally we do put ourselves under pressure to get stuff done, don't we? You know, it's, and not having that, well, I've got to put another strip out today kind of feeling is, is nice sometimes. Yeah. And no it, deadline it, it, was, it has, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. No de- well, I, as I say, it was one of the ones that I, uh, you do year end retrospective of yourself and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, I've not been that creative this year in terms of things. And I went, so. You know, okay, a strip has gone out every day on the pen Yeah. And I realised that I'd only created 153 Fucking new ones. <laughs> right? And I was like, when you start, start saying that creating 153 daily strips is disappointing, <laughs> yeah. perhaps you need to rethink your choices with regard to what you're doing with it. Um, and that, so that that's kind of part of my thing about going, look, we can do, and look, there's 2,000 strips there. I can repeat that ad infinitum. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, and people can t- continue to get their, their little hit every day. Yeah. Um, so Good so stuff, if anyone man. is listening, and um, I am still looking for a pool quote to go into... Uh, of course um, you are. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, into some of the marketing blurb. Um, <laughs> I'm not, not asking your, yourself... Uh, 
You know because you've got you've, one from me anyway. You've you've been used previously. Yeah, um, I have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward for it. But if anyone, so I, I've got one pool coat. The best book the, for the, the downstairs lav, I believe, something right. like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it was, or somebody said that, and then you certainly said it. One of your one of your favourite toilet books. That's it. So, yeah, um, yeah. And it is. It's the best thing to have. There's always there was always Giles when I was growing up. There was always a Giles mm. book in the loo or something. And having a penguin book in the loo is always like you can pick it up, read a couple. You know, do your morning business. And then, uh, yeah, always I prefer to it doing the morning paperwork, which people in my office still look at me strangely. But technically, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I do Definitely. think pool coats are an interesting thing because, I, I mean, nobody pays any attention to them whatsoever. But <laughs> yeah. it's it's fun and games to play. And I say last time I got one from Stuart Mulrane where he had said something and he went, oh, but you always put a smile on my wife's face. And I thought, <laughs> I'm, I'm having that. Yeah. I'm up. And That's when I, good. I mentioned it in front of Damien, and he said, "You can see you also put a smile on my wife's face." And I was like, "Oh, Dave, thank you." <laughs> There's two pool coats. I just think, you know, yeah, putting what you know, putting smiles on other people, other wives' faces. It's in for, keeping uh, for the with the books, the vibe of the book, isn't it? As well, those sort of pool coats. <clears throat> yeah, 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 definitely. Good. And where can people find you? Oh, just yeah. follow at Pendgrin on all sorts of forms of social media anymore. I'm not even going to begin to, you know. <laughs> Are you on Blue Instagram, Sky and all that X, sort of thing? Blue, yes, I'm on Blue Sky. It's okay. um, uh, And I'm on Threads. Oh, yeah. I'm on Threads. Uh, I don't understand it, but yeah. Weird and wonderful. And, and this is the point. I, and there are different people on different things. But, yeah. you know, you know, heck, I'm still on Tumblr for those <laughs> that really want to go that far back. Yeah, yeah. DeviantArt. Um, I'm not on DeviantArt, oddly enough. But that's... I found in the garage of there, I found a print I ordered off DeviantArt. You used to be able to order some of the art off there, didn't you, as prints? Yeah, yeah. And I got this massive um, Gabriel Hartman print. There. I'd forgotten all about. Yeah, it's too, one of those t- too big to frame has just sat in the, 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 the tube for about uh-huh. 15 years, I think. It's, uh, yeah, okay. One of these days we'll um, win, the, win the lottery and be able to have the big mansion house. Oh, mate, yeah. Yeah. So that's what what yeah. What you're telling me is you've built your summer house for <laughs> yeah, a shed. A shed. And you you didn't get a sliding wall that could get the, the big big art up. Well, yeah, I've got a um a dearth back dearth I'm gonna put up this week in there. Um but I but I've got the I've got the I've got the space. It depends because the way you do teams, you can see the wall behind me. So I'm just thinking, what do I want to put up there? A load of like made up certificates or something for a laugh. Or do I put a load? Because usually you've seen me on Zoom. It's just like a load of shelves that are sagging. Um, well, you, you, you've seen me on Zoom. I mind that I've got I've got my collectible plates. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I laughed saw them earlier. Which, yeah, yeah, which I got as yeah. a joke for. Which yeah. I, I got a couple, and then the guy offered me a couple more for a cheap price. I went, yeah, go on. And I put them up in the in the living room on the uh, in the um, in the display cabinet, thinking, I wonder how long before Mrs H spots that. <laughs> <laughs> a week, but this shows how often we go into the dining room. Yeah, a week passed, and then suddenly they were like, "What the hell are these things?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, they've been found and had to be taken down and yeah. found new homes." So they sit behind me. Just well, the good thing about yeah. having the shed, which I've I've made, I've got I managed to get find somewhere on eBay that makes street signs, mm. um, and it's I've, I've called it the bullpen, and I made a street right. sign for it, which is quite cool. And uh, is I've got I've put all of my comics reference books in there, so it's freed up a load of shelves in here in the comic room. <laughs> so I'm slowly spreading out. It's terrible, isn't it? Isn't it terrible? Well, that's yeah. 
I'm almost the 60. The more shells you have, I've, the more things you can fill. I'm almost 60. I've got, what, 15 years left in me? Why do I keep buying more comics? Why? Who knows? But there you go. Thanks, man. That was a good like, one. Like Everest, it's there. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Definitely. Anyway, good stuff. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, Never on anything. You can listen to this website over at neveronanything.com. Listen to this podcast at neveronanything.com as well. The um, Every Wednesday, I'm putting my favourite read of the week and my worst read of the week. Um, it's quite an eye-opener this week, so go and have a look at that. Um, on the review section, which I'm sort of blogging as a little column every week I'm putting up as well as this. So go and have a look at that. Um, awesome comics podcast we've got a really interesting one this week um, about a documentary some people are making so I think you'll probably enjoy that one and then a big name the week following which we're quite excited about which uh, mm. I'll probably tell Adam about in a second um, yeah everything's coming up roses I'm going to be at Angoulême in a few weeks time um, Falpy um, Eamon Clark um, Simon Russell all people who've been on this podcast Sam Arthurs there's a few of us going to be there so come and say hi if you're at Angoulême um, and then after that, probably the next one I'm going to do is going to be Heroes and Charlotte. So if you're at Heroes, come and say hi as well. So that's what we've got lined up. I've got a couple of books. I've got to make some dates and times. Dave Cranner's coming back on. A few other people are coming back on. Um, we've got an artist round table coming back on. I'll be um, bending hours here to get him choose another book because that was a cracker. Um, but otherwise, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks, Al. And um, Thank see you. you soon.